Welcome to The Brian Buffini Show, where we explore the mindsets, motivation, and methodologies of success. Here's your host, Brian Buffini. Top of the morning to you, and welcome to the Brian Buffini Show. So excited for you all today. Bringing back to the show a man who's just become a good friend, and it's John Gordon. John, top of the morning to you, bud. Brian, great to be with you, and I love that music to start the show. That's yeah, the best. Right? A good prayer and a bit of Irish music, and I could take on the world, you know? Now, John has been a frequent speaker at many Buffini and Company events over the years. You know, we met 13 years ago. And it's just kind of cool that a, a connection that was made backstage has turned into just a really cool friendship and uh, a lot of trust. And John is a guy that I trust and uh, a best-selling author, great speaker, the Positive You podcast. I've had a chance to appear on that a few times and written over 20 books, eight of them bestsellers, uh, The Energy Bus, The Power of Positive Leadership. You know, every time I interview a famous athlete, they always refer to training camp, by the way. That's always their their go-to book, and we featured many of John's books in the past. There's a brand new book coming out today as this podcast is released, and it's called The Garden. And in a world where we've gone through COVID-19, deep political divisions, we have ideological differences in this country and in this world that are becoming deeper. We have a racial crisis on our hands. We have all kinds of things coming to the forefront, policing issues, economic issues, and here comes a book called The Garden, and it's a spiritual fable about ways to overcome fear, anxiety, and stress. John, they say timing's everything. I think the timing is perfect, and just on this date, June 30th, I can't imagine a more perfect book from a more perfect guy to help us at a time like this. Talk to us about what inspired you to write this book. Thanks, Brian. I've been thinking about this book for a while, the five Ds that the enemy uses to sabotage us, to Mm -hmm. destroy us, to defeat our teams, to divide our relationships and also our our country. And what happened was I just finished writing Relationship Grit with my wife, Mm -hmm. December 25th, Christmas Day. So we finished that book and I was thinking about these five Ds. I was going to call it identity Mm because this is about the battle for identity. And in that moment, I said, should I write this now or another time? And God clearly said, you need to write this now. Mm. So I was taking a walk on the beach that day, and it came to me, the garden. I got to write as a fable, not a how-to book, because I was going to write as a how-to, write as a fable. And I had this vision of the garden, two teenagers who were dealing with stress and anxiety and fear. Their names are Jay and Kay, and Mr. Irwin, a family friend, a neighbor, a really nice guy. He then introduces them to his garden in the backyard where he recreated the Garden of Eden. Mm. And from that backdrop, he starts to teach them the lessons that will help them overcome the fear and the stress and the anxiety and all of the forces that are against them. It really is a battle of good versus evil. And mm. it sounds crazy when you like hear it you know, in that framework, we just start talking about the battle of good and evil. Like, is there really a battle mm-hmm. of good versus evil? But you can look around the world, you can look at what's happening, mm-hmm. and you can see that there is evil that exists. Mm-hmm. 
racism is an expression of evil. Sure. And so it's not racism in itself. It's the expression of evil. And so no matter what we do to, to fight it, I really feel like it's always going to exist in some form because it's a form of evil. But the way we win the battle against it is with good. Mm-hmm. It's with God. It has to be done in a, in a spiritual way. Right. You can never win a spiritual battle with man-made strategy. Right. As we become increasingly secular, and that becomes the answer for everything. And it's interesting, you know, during the COVID crisis, to hear so many different people go, well, we're making the decision based on science. Apparently, there's a different science in Jacksonville, where you live, than there is in Los Angeles, which is up the road from where I am in San Diego, because the science in L.A. means we're shutting things down for eternity, but the science in Jacksonville is, baby, the beaches are open, your conferences are welcome, and everybody's back to work. And so, again, I do believe it's in the matter of the heart, faith, hope, and love. I also love the fact that these twins, having twin girls who are teenagers in my home, you know, there's a special... Uh, just having an advanced copy here, I'm like, okay, this is good for me, Dad. This is good. They're boy and girl, yeah. Jay and Kay, and yeah, they they're struggling. The girl is dealing with some issues, and and she's you know really has some pain that she has to deal with. The boy has suicidal thoughts, and he has to deal with that. And so many of us can go back to our early days, or even in in our lives at this point, where we're struggling and we're fearful and we have anxiety. Mm-hmm. I was depressed at some point in my life when I was about 31 years old, and I remember struggling a lot. So a lot of people have been in this space and they don't know how to get out of it. And again, it starts in the heart. And once you understand that it's a spiritual battle, not just a, a mental battle, not just an emotional battle, but a spiritual battle, then you can actually start doing things to actually heal yourself. The word psyche actually means soul. And Mm. so our minds don't need fixing. Our souls need healing. Mm. And as we heal our souls, from there, everything else starts to work a whole lot better. That's what happened to me. Once I found my faith, when I was around 35 years old, that's when everything in my life began to change. I started to heal myself from the inside out. So the depression went away. Mm-hmm. The anxiety went away when I found my faith. Now, I want people to know that I'm not saying they shouldn't get help with a mental health counselor. Mm-hmm. I do believe that, that there's a a useful place for health counselors. Those relationships are essential. I also say in the introduction, this book is not a substitute for working with a counselor. I'm merely sharing a framework and tips and strategies to help you overcome the anxiety, the fear, the stress that could actually paralyze you, debilitate you, and actually ultimately really sabotage you. And obviously a book is a very intimate form of communication. And I think the other part right now, I I think we're going to see an increase in readership because the news is so ghastly to watch because it's become so toxic so now we have so much anxiety you know that we never have we had more but going back to february this year we had the the strongest economy we ever had we had more people had more in this country than ever before and now we here we are you know four months later and there's anxiety and frustration and fear and all the things you're talking about and i do think you know number one this is a fabulous resource for helping us with our young people, but it also is those those seeds that are laid in our own lives as a younger person, maybe an oak tree right now that needs to get addressed. So I'd love to do this. Can we spend a few minutes and get into the five Ds? I, I love this, and I love that you are solution-oriented. You have a solution for each one of the, the five Ds. Can we do that? I'd love to. And it all starts in the garden, mm-hmm. where the enemy actually 
talked to Eve, the serpent talked to Eve and said, did God really say you couldn't eat from all the trees in the garden? When actually God said you can eat from all the trees, you just couldn't eat from one. Mm -hmm. Think about that. God provided abundance. And what did the serpent do? It caused Adam and Eve to focus on the one tree they couldn't eat from. Right. What they lacked, not what they had. Mm. So often we have this abundance. We have so much that has been given to us, so much to be grateful for. And yet the enemy causes us to focus on what we lack. The enemy starts with planting seeds of doubt. That is the first seed, doubt. That God can't be trusted, that God is withholding the best from us, that we can't trust God, we can't trust our leaders in our country, we can't trust the science, we can't trust people. So the enemy plants seeds of doubt. And so the first D is, is where it all starts. And it starts with the doubt in our mind that we can't trust. Mm. Where do we go with that? I mean, I, I think it's so enormous, right? And it's right there in the Garden of Eden. I think the evil has no new tricks. That's what I think. Let me, let me go through the five Ds real quick, and, and I'll take you through. And then actually we'll give the antidote All right. to the five Ds. Great. So the first D is doubt. And mm -hmm. then the enemy uses the second D to create doubt. It's to distort. Mm -hmm. And so the enemy takes truth and distorts it with lies. So many of us are filled with so many negative thoughts, lies in our heads. We're filled with, with fear. But I often ask people, do your negative thoughts come from you? And if people say yes, they said, really, who would ever choose to have a negative thought? you would never choose to have a negative thought. Mm. There is an enemy known as the father of lies that is always speaking lies to you. And those lies are always coming in, but you don't have to believe those lies. You don't have to believe the words that they say because they're not coming from you. They're not coming from God. And I don't know how it happens, but I know it comes in very fast. We believe the lie. We actually then reinforce it. We speak it out loud and then we feel guilty and shameful. We have shame because of what we're thinking. Meanwhile, you never originated that thought. Mm. You have to understand those thoughts are not coming from you. They are distortions. And right now there's a lot of lies happening in the world. So an enemy will always distort truth with the lies and then also create doubt with the goal of discouraging. That's mm. the third day, discourage. Mm. So the enemy wants to discourage us. Why? Because he knows he can't beat us himself. So what does he do? He gets us to beat ourselves. We don't give up because it's hard. We give up because we get discouraged. And I see so many people right now, they're discouraged and they're just giving up. They give up on the fight. And so we have to stay encouraged. We'll get to that. The fourth thing is distraction. Distractions are the enemy of greatness. And you are seeing distractions in the media, distractions on social media, distractions that cause us to, to look outside of ourselves instead of inside. We're not looking at our heart. We're not focused on God. We're focusing on all the distractions all of the news, all of the challenges, all of the, the discrepancies in the science, all of the discrepancies that we see in the world, all of the fights and the arguing and so mm -hmm. forth. A new video shows up today, another one tomorrow, and we are distracted. But also sometimes we're distracted by good things. In the garden, it said that the fruit looked appealing. Mm. She thought it was appealing. And so often things look bright and shiny mm -hmm. and appealing, and we think they're something we want, but they're mm -hmm. not. Really the shiny object syndrome, right? We chase it around. We want the car. We want the beautiful house. And it's, and it's great to have all those things. But if you're sacrificing your happiness to get those things, mm -hmm. if those things are more important in your relationship with God, then it's actually going to be something that's harmful to you. So anything that keeps you from what matters most and your relationship with God really is a distraction. So you have to understand that. And because of those, those four Ds, the doubt, the distortion, 
the discouragement and the distractions, what happens is we then get divided. That is the 50. And the enemy's whole goal is to divide us and separate us from God. That is the enemy's goal. And from each other. Sure. And you can see that even more now than ever. We are divided as a nation. We're divided in so many ways among races now. What's, what's going on with everything that's happening? So the enemy is trying to divide us. We're divided by political party. And so the word anxious literally means divided. Wow. We wonder why so many people are so anxious. We feel divided from ourselves from each other, our relationships, and from God. Mm. Social distancing, think about that. Stay isolated. We are now separated in so many ways. Right. And so you can see these five, these wreaking havoc. I can't believe I wrote this in December. Maybe you did January 8th. <laughs> I, well, I know, I actually, that's a good point. Yeah. I really did it. God, I mean, I, I wrote this book in literally, what, two weeks before January 8th. God gave me the words. It flowed through me. It was like the energy bus. What happened there, and that book's got on to sell over 2 million copies. It felt like that again, like I was writing a book that was meant for this time and for it to come out right now when so many people are struggling with this. And so I'm really concerned when I see so many people taking the bait of hate and then they get divided. And we have to recognize that this is the enemy's game plan against us. This is how the enemy wages the battle. There is no other way. You said it. There's no other way. There are no new tricks. These are the five Ds. So it's doubt. It's distortion, it's discouragement, it's distraction, and it's division. And the enemy uses those five Ds. Brian, we had to recognize that we're in a battle. Mm. So many people are losing the battle because they have no idea they're in one. Right. So they're getting their butt kicked. Once you recognize you're in a battle, now you can understand how it's being waged, and now you can understand how to win it. And in the garden, I share how to win it. And I'll mm. share it real quick in a brief overview here, but how do you win the battle? Instead of doubt, what do we do? We trust. Mm -hmm. It's so simple. We trust in God. We have faith in him. So often we're like, God, show me and I'll trust you. God says, no, trust me and I'll show you. Mm, Your life is proof of that. Mm. My life is Mm. proof of that, where we both came from nothing. We had nothing. All we had was God because we had nothing. And we just trusted in God. Still all I have, buddy. (laughs) I know. And you know what? When this happened with the coronavirus, he has brought me so much closer to him, so mm. much deeper, so much more intimate. Yeah, I can I see it so in you. Closer to him. Yeah, it's, it's amazing how he's, he's transformed me through this time. Like, I recognize when I lost the battle during the dot-com crash, when I lost my job, almost was bankrupt, I found my faith during that time, and it prepared me for this time mm. right now where I could be a light for others. So first and foremost, we trust instead of that. No matter what we're going through, our trust, our faith is greater than our circumstances. And we got to trust that God is greater than anything we're, we're up against. Right. And so we trust. The second thing we overcome distortion is, is, is truth. We speak truth to the lies. And so instead of listening to the lies, we speak truth to the lies. Right. I learned this from Dr. James Gills, the only person on the planet to complete six double Ironman triathlons. That's a double Ironman. You do an Ironman, a day later you do another one. Last time he did it, 59 years old, was asked how he did it. He said this, I've learned to talk to myself instead of listen to myself. Wow. I listen to myself. Hold on, back up the bus there. That is so awesome. Say I that learned again. to talk to myself instead of listen to myself. Mm. Because if I listen to myself, I hear all the fear, all the doubt, all the complaints, all the reasons why I can't finish the race. But if I talk to myself, 
I could feed myself with the words and the encouragement that I need to keep on moving forward. Mm. We got to talk to ourselves, not listen to ourselves. And wow. Dr. James Gills would memorize and recite scripture. That's how he fueled himself as he moved forward. Mm. Those are the most powerful words. But if you're not a believer, if you're not someone who has that faith tradition, pick the words that encourage you on this journey. The word encourage means to put courage into. Right. And so put courage into yourself. It's funny you talk about this. I was mentioning to you, we, we launched this program called the Five Circle Fit. It was kind of a, a free program we made available to whoever wanted just to get through Corona and the stay-at-home orders and so on and so forth. We've had almost 2 million people tune in on this Facebook Live every Friday. Wow. And over 100,000 people have downloaded this program just using it every day. And we start out spiritual. So we started people out. Here it is. Read Psalm 23 every morning. And I've gotten just hundreds of emails and people say, you know, I haven't read the Bible since I was a kid. But, you know, I'm reading this stuff. And the word that keeps coming up is, this is so true. I can't believe this was written thousands of years ago. And they're reading Psalm 23 to start their day off. And I'm just doing this to try to hold our, our community together, realtors and people we coach and train. And they're like, man, this is great. Getting exposed to something that is true, that's timeless, that's seen many a recession and war and battle. They say the truth's an anvil that's worn out many a hammer. It's great. And I was just thinking about this, John, as we, we dive into number three here. The doubt, distortion, discourage, distract, divide. As I'm looking at this, and I'm sure this is very obvious to you, that's kind of like an ever-creeping, ever-growing. It's almost like the, the vine in the garden, and it's like it starts out with a little doubt. That's the seed, and then the, the distortion becomes the, those are the green shoots, and then the discouragement, it starts to spread, and then distraction. Now, now you're not looking at what you should be looking at, and then here's the division, and the garden's divided, and I see this as a growing thing, right? So it seems like to go back to it, we got to go back to the start, which is the trust, and then the truth. Talk to me about discouragement and what's the antidote there. I, I, I feel like you've spent your the last 15 years of your professional life helping people with defeating discouragement. That's my mission. Give people hope for one more day. Mm. We don't give up because it's hard. We give up because we get discouraged, as I said earlier. And the word encourage means to put courage into so when you encourage yourself, you're putting courage into yourself. When you encourage someone else, you're putting courage into them. We know Chewy Cathy said, how do you know if a man or a woman needs encouragement? If they're breathing, <laughs> we all need encouragement. Our good friend Zig Ziglar, you know, yeah. we would always say when, when asked about motivation, come on, Zig, motivation doesn't last. He'd say, neither does bathing. Yeah. Well, you have to do it every day. Right. We need to encourage ourselves every day. We need to encourage others. And it's so important. You know, it's interesting. You go back to Jesus in the wilderness after he was baptized and the devil takes him into the wilderness for 40 days. And what does he do? He starts lying to him, tempting him and so forth, speaking lies to him. And mm -hmm. what does Jesus do each time? It is written. Mm -hmm. It is written. It is written. He responds each time with it is written. What he was doing was he was speaking truth to the lie. It's so wild. He was giving us a game plan thousands of years ago yeah. for what we're experiencing right now in our life. It's very practical. Like this is sure. this is something I, I want to like no matter what religion you are, if you can see this, it is so clear that we are facing a battle of evil and he gives us the plan to win it and how to overcome. So practical, so powerful. Well, let's talk about you for a second, okay? So you're the guy who's encouraging everybody else, right? You're on with me, you got this great attitude, you got the enigmatic smile that can light up a room and the whole thing. Now, this particular year, you, you make a lot of money 
millions of dollars speaking on stage, traveling all over the world. And right now, unless you're going to speak to 10 people, you know, you can't do that. They won't allow you to do that. Basically, they've taken your livelihood away. And here you are being a light, powering up other people, giving good energy, doing podcasts, interviewing Matthew McConaughey and whoever else on your show. And you. Uh, and so here's the deal. What do you do? I mean, specifically, I mean, what do you do to stay so encouraged? So many people are kind of feeding off you, John. And yet here you are. On one hand, your whole livelihood's gone for now. So what do you do to stay encouraged? Yeah, I've lost probably about a million dollars this year. Yeah. You know, just as of right now, who knows how much it's going to be going forward. Yeah. But I would not allow that to keep me from doing the work I'm here to do. The vision and the mission remains the same. Mm. Even the goals may have changed. The number of goals may have changed. The vision and mission remains the same. And how am I doing it? I'm actually just using technology, podcasts, and Zooms, and have found other ways to make a difference. You said to me, and I love this quote, it, it, I've adopted it as my own, it's so good. It is one of the best I've ever heard. Stars shine the brightest in the darkness. Mm -hmm. And positive people shine the most through adversity. And when you said that to me, I said, you know what? I am going to shine through this time. So mm -hmm. my motto became win today. That's how I've gotten through mm -hmm. this. Win today. Do not worry about tomorrow. Just win today. Mm. And win the next day. Win the day after that. If I win each day, I'll win the future. And what does that look like? It looks like you live in your mission. It looks like you're staying positive every day, controlling what you control, working hard each day to build yourself, build your business, build your team, just focusing on that. And I've done that every day. It's amazing how many things have come my way from clients I didn't expect. Hey, can we do this online thing? I've done a lot of free stuff, but also a lot of paid stuff has, has come in just by staying positive. Hey, I saw your post really needed that today. Hey, you want to do this? It's incredible. And mm. what I realized was people who have been listening to me for years said, hey, I really appreciate your, your, your post these time, during this time. It's really been powerful. I haven't changed my post. The fact is- <laughs> They were ready. They're ready. They're in a different place mm -hmm. right now. So what I'm doing every day is I'm just feeding myself so I can feed others. That's where the encouragement piece comes in, in overcoming this, this third day. Feeding myself every day to feed others. If you don't have it, you can't share it. Mm -hmm. Leadership mm -hmm. is a transfer of belief. Mm -hmm. We got to make sure that we believe to share it to others. We got to have optimism. Hey, you know, Duke University did a study on optimists. They found that optimists worked harder, got paid more, but were more likely to succeed in business and sports. And what they found was that because these optimists believed in a brighter and better future, mm -hmm. they took the actions necessary to create it. It became a self fulfilling prophecy. What you believe will determine what you create. It all starts in the mind, mm -hmm. the heart. So we got to overcome these Ds with optimism, with faith, with hope, with belief. And our faith has to be greater than our fear. Right. You know what fear and faith have in common, right? Besides the letter F, they both believe in a future that hasn't happened yet. So fear is believing in the negative future. Faith is believing in the positive future. If neither has happened yet, why wouldn't we choose to believe in the positive future? Why wouldn't we choose to believe in God, our destiny, and the plan for our lives? And I think that's what has moved me during this time, kept me going during this time, and to encourage others during this time. So, you know, days like this, I really like my job, John. You know that? Days like this, I'm like, man, this is my job. I get to get in here today into the studio and get fired up listening to John Gordon. I think, you know, life is good. And, and you, you know, you talk about this, and that's why I think. This book is perfectly timed. Timing is everything. And this book is perfectly timed. You know, there's a lot of people right now just 
aren't sure that the future for them and their children is going to be better than what they had in the past. You know, you remember the movie Miracle on Ice and they replay Jimmy Carter's speech. And, you know, it's like, what we're facing is a crisis of confidence. Now, you think about it. How much real estate do you wish you'd have bought in 1980 in Jacksonville? How much do you wish you'd invested in the stock market when the stock market was at about 2000 in 1980? You know, we have to have that faith. We have to have that belief in the future. That, and again, this new generation, they're going to figure things out. They're going through things. They're wrestling through things. And, you know, it's different. And for those of us who are a little older, man, we're going to have to adjust and have faith and confidence. So we did the doubt, distort, discourage. What's the, uh, what's the antidote for distract? Well, let's talk about the media. They are literally filling people's minds and hearts with fear and with anxiety and panic. Those mm-hmm. headlines, the fear. All they do is want your attention. They want to distract you from what matters most. And, you know, let's face it. If it bleeds, it leads. And we have to understand that. That's their goal. And so we have to be on guard against that. And we have to make sure we focus on what matters most. So instead of distractions, focus on what matters most. What matters most? Your relationships with each other, your friends, your family, your team, your relationship with God. That's what matters most. And what did Jesus tell us to do? Love God with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind, all our strength, and also to love our neighbors. We love ourselves. And I love this from, from the racial standpoint. Mm. He didn't say to love only the neighbors that look just like me. He said to love your neighbor, everyone. Love everyone. We're called to love. Let's not focus on what makes us different. Let's focus on what unites us, what brings us together. And if we do that every day and you focus on what matters most, being the best you can be, bring out the best in others, your relationship with your creator, your relationship with the people that you love, your family. If you do that, you're going to move forward in a positive way. And that's been a blessing for me during this time. I've heard from a lot of people, even though I can't travel, I've built a greater bond with my son who's been home from from college, he's Mm -hmm. a sophomore. And we would have never found this time to spend together. I'm sure he's not happy he's spending this (laughs) much time with me, but but I know it's been good for him. Sure. And it's been good for me because, you know, he struggled a sophomore year, mm-hmm. you know, going through a little depression, going through some challenging identity issues, right? Mm-hmm. The enemy's using these five Ds against my own son. Yeah. That's how it happens, as you know. Yeah. When you're teaching it, you know you're going to get hit with it. And so here I am now working with him, coaching him, guiding him, you know, being on top of him. And he doesn't like it, but it's also making him better and helping yeah. him get to a better place. So, you know what? I've lost a lot, but I've gained so much more. And that's what you have to realize. Don't focus on what you've lost during this time? What will you gain because of this time as you move forward? We can become more or we can become less. Right. And we have that choice. And I knew right then and there early on when this happened, I'm going to make this a time that I spend with my son. I'm going to invest in him. And I saw what God was doing in our own family to do that. And if you focus on what matters most, right. distractions won't get in the way. And distractions are the enemy of greatness. Let's mm-hmm. remember that. That's great. In fact, I have a podcast coming up very soon on focus. So I've been doing a lot of research on it and the power of it. You know, it's interesting. There's a story of when Bill Gates's mom figured, you know, she was a real connector and a mover and a shaker. And she thought her son was running out of peers, which when you become the richest man in the world, you kind of are. And so she really worked hard to broker a time for Bill Gates and Warren Buffett to get together. She did it the way all moms did. She come together and I'll feed you. You know, even billionaires like a home cooked meal. So they get together. They're in Bill Gates' mom's kitchen. These guys didn't think they had anything in common. Bill wasn't interested in stocks, and Warren wasn't interested in technology. So why should we meet? Bill Gates' dad is there. So he sits down. He just goes through a list of questions, and he asks them, let me ask you this. If you were to give me one word 
for your success? What would it be? And he slid a sheet of paper, and they both wrote a word, and then they slid it back. So the number one and the number two richest persons in the world both wrote the same word, which was focus. And their key to their success was focus. By the way, because of that and other things, these two struck this bond because they realized, hang on a second here, success does have all this commonality, and focus is such a huge deal. And I do believe we are living in a distracted world. I believe everything is a distraction, and there is more talented distractors than ever before. Netflix is a distraction. You know, the news is a distraction. Hobbies are a distraction. Everything's a distraction. And what it does, it takes us away from our purpose. It takes us away from what we're called to. It takes us away from, you know, that dynamic you're talking about, where this is what you're supposed to be doing, John. It's very easy to focus on everything else. Brian, this is what you're supposed to be doing. And that's why, to me, I've become more focused in the last four months with COVID and all of these things than I've been probably in the last 20 years, to be honest with you. Me too. And you know what, you know what drives focus? Clarity. Mm-hmm. When you have clarity, that drives focused action. And a lot of us are cluttered. And so we don't have mm. clarity. And what does the enemy want to do? Clutter your mind mm-hmm. with fear, with negativity, anxiety, doubt, news media, distractions, bright and shiny objects, all these various things that clutter your mind. And so if you can actually remove the clutter, have more clarity and know what you're supposed to do, then you can take focused action. For me, it's a walk every morning. Mm. I take a walk on the beach. So one thing that's changed during this time though, instead of the morning walk, I'm now doing two walks a day. Yeah. I walk in the morning and I practice gratitude and I pray. I get so much clarity and focus during that time. At night, I'm also doing it as well now. So I do a second walk. I'm doing about six miles a day, I realize. Mm. Think about how much clarity you get walking six miles a day when you tune out the distractions and you just start to listen and you start to tune in and God starts to speak through you and to you. That's where you find the ideas you're meant to focus on. That's where you get focus. So people are looking for focus. No, have clarity. Mm, Beautiful stuff. Well, let's get to the last one here, divide. What's the antidote for divide? It seems obvious, but it's obviously not because we have a lot of division. It's unity. Mm -hmm. And I want people to know I wrote this book, obviously, as a, as a faith-based book. This is my first book where I really share mm-hmm. my faith in the story. And so I'm not apologizing for that. I knew I needed to do that. But yeah. people need to understand, like, I truly share my faith in this book. In the introduction, I actually put a warning section because I know a lot of businesses will read my books like The Energy Bus and, and uh, The Carpenter and The Power of Positive Leadership and The Power of a Positive Team. And I needed them to understand this is not like my other book. I say, this is not like my other book. This is a very different book. Mm-hmm. But I knew I needed to share this because the answer to the five Ds is Jesus. Because he unites us back to ourselves and back to God. What happened in the garden thousands of years ago gets reconciled on the cross. And so the garden represents man's separation from God because they believe the lie because they were distracted, because they didn't trust in God. What happened was they took action that separated them from God. But Jesus then reconciles us back to God. And so he came to unite us back to the Father, to create oneness. So where there is division, God created a plan to create the oneness that we were meant to experience. And that's what happened to me. Once I accepted Jesus, when he became my Savior, Everything changed for me because I was now reconciled back to the Father. I had this greater intimate relationship. And 
it's incredible how God started to speak to me and through me during this time. And so I share that in this book. If you really want to understand the power of that, it's crazy because if you actually, I just learned this from Christine Kane. It's amazing. She talked about the garden story and it says that Adam and Eve were in the garden and they knew no shame. Wow. It could have said a lot of things, mm. but it focused on shame. They knew no shame. Mm-hmm. It could have said that they knew no unhappiness. They didn't know pain and anger. No, they knew no shame. And think about through these five Ds, what happened was when they were separated from God, they hid from God. And so often in our shame, we hide from God. We run further and further away from God, and we feel more and more divided, more and more separate, more and more anxious. And we see people who who are actually not living the life that they were called to live because they're running away from God. And so we often hear the term, shame on you. Shame on you. Shame on you. Well, guess what? The enemy wants to put shame on you, but Jesus came to take the shame off you. Mm. And so he died so he would take the shame off of us so we could live the life we were called to live in freedom, in love, in joy, and have that freedom and peace to be all we are meant to be and who we are meant to be. And that is the power of this message. And I share that in the book. I'm very straight up with it. But as you see these two teenagers give their burdens and their pain to God, like the tears that come through them as the reader comes through you, it's such a powerful moment. I've had about 2,000 people on my launch team already read the book. And the response to this book has been incredible of how it's touching people. Mm -hmm. And I knew, again, I was meant to write it. Well, again, and it's it's courageous. You know, in, in the world we live in today of the five Ds in full action, you know, what, what first became political correctness, everything always starts out well. You know, be careful with your speech. You know, words have power. Words can hurt. Words can divide. And words can create divisions and take a long time to heal over. And now in our culture today, political correctness has developed all the way to being weaponized. And so now it's, it's okay to talk about spirituality, but the type of faith you're talking about today is really not cool. And, you know, the very fact that you write a book and you have to actually write a a warning label like it's a pack of cigarettes or a, a bottle of booze. Hey, uh, you know, when opening this book, you might get exposed to things that might cause faith to happen in your life, you know. but he, here, change your life for the, good, yeah, for the better. <laughs> here's the deal. What we need in our world today is courage. We need courage. And I see it all in you. I see the light that's in you and how enthusiastic you are. You know, my deal is I've, I've lived by the motto of St. Augustine, share the gospel at all times and use words if absolutely necessary. I've presented to millions of people all over the world, and I don't proselytize people. I want to chime in on this. And, and I did, really didn't know the direction of where this conversation was going today, my friend. But one of the reasons why we, we've linked up so much is we both have the same father. And, you know, for me, all these systems I talk about and all of these programs and the coaching and everything and try to help people be successful, I am nothing without coming to that same faith that you came to. For me, it was 34 years ago. And my life has never been the same. And every day I wake up, I sing the first chorus of Amazing Grace every morning when I'm on my walk. You know, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me, because it keeps me from the other side, the arrogance and the ego and the pride. You know, our faith has been so hammered in the last few years because all that the media promotes is what it's against. And it's become that. But the truth is, it's about love. The truth is, it's about loving God and loving your neighbors yourself. And even then they said, oh, no, who's my neighbor? Who's my neighbor? Come on, Jesus, who's my neighbor? As I, because why? Because I want to qualify it. 
And the truth of the matter is, in our faith tradition, you talk about my kids, they go, Dad, what do we say about race? I go, talk about how Jesus talked about the Samaritan, the mixed race person. Look at how he treated women. It's true faith. It's not a reaction. It's not political correctness. It's not thought control. We need spiritual answers to matters of the heart and matters of the soul. And the fact that you wrote a book like this is, is phenomenal. It's courageous. I'm sure you're even surprised at it yourself. I am. You know, I, am. I, I just thoroughly believe in what you're doing with this book, and I couldn't endorse it more. I encourage every single person, whether they believe or what they believe or don't believe, to get a copy of The Garden. And I encourage them, embrace a spiritual fable, a story about ways to overcome fear and anxiety and stress. These five Ds don't have to be the, the things that divide our life and define our life. There's a gardener that can make it all well. Amen. And you know what? It's, I want people to know it's not a religion. It's a, it's a relationship. Sure. So when I share this book, I'm not here trying to bring people to a religion. Yeah. I want them to experience the God who loves them, the God who is for them, the God who believes in them and has a plan for them. I want them to develop that intimate relationship with that. Yeah. And so for me, like, as you know, Jesus didn't come to make Christians. He came to make disciples. Yeah. You know, people who loved, people who served, people who cared, people who followed his way and who understood, you know, the greater power of, of, of the origin of all things. And if you look at both these stories, isn't it cool? Like, think about it, the garden and the cross, two separate stories, and yet they fit perfectly together. It's too magical, too perfect to be an accident. And then when you see how it plays out in our everyday life, it's worth taking a look. And as I said in the, in the introduction, even if you're not a person of faith, read about the five Ds because you'll find them useful mm -hmm. and find ways to help them. I actually shared it with a coach who's not a believer. And he took these five Ds and said, I'm bringing these home to my family right now. Mm -hmm. And we're using these five Ds. So Good for like you. you said, if they help people, hey, that's, that's what we're here for. Brian, I appreciate you so much. And your faith has always inspired me. And, and think about it. Like we're two people who found God or God found us. I was 35 years old when it happened for me. And it drives us to do the work that we do. Like we are here to make a difference, to serve others, to, to have an impact. And we know our purpose and we have focus, focus action as a result of our purpose. And we have a lot of clarity and we know that love is what drives us. And that is what makes us who we are. And, and I, I think that's why I love you so much because I just see, you know, I see that power moving in you. And I know it's the same thing I want to drive me in my life. So when I see you, I go, that's, that's the kind of guy that, that I want to be when I look at you. Well, right back at you, pal. You know, I don't know if this message was for just for me today, but uh, I needed a good word like this today, and I thank you for it. I thank you for having the courage to write the book. I wish you the very best. The book is called The Garden. It releases today, June 30th, and I encourage you to go and pick up a copy wherever fine books are sold. Go read it. Embrace it. Send John your feedback. I know he'd love to hear from you. And uh, we just wish you the best of success with this. You're a unifier. You're a light. You're a beautiful guy. I wish you the best of success in the future. Until we meet again, my friend, it's always a blessing. Thanks for being with us today. God bless you, Brian. Well, I know I cover a lot of different topics on this podcast and real estate and uh, finance, uh, mindset, motivation, and methodologies of success. Today, I interviewed my friend, John Gordon. I had read just the beginning of this book. It's really brand new. And I knew about the five Ds. I didn't know about the level of depth that he had come to in regards to the message here to repair the soul and support the soul and heal the soul. But it's phenomenal. 
And what a great conversation that was. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you're able to receive it in the spirit it's delivered. I know it's a privilege to come to your homes and your cars on your workouts with you. I know that podcasting is a very intimate form of communication because you listen to it usually by yourself. And so I hope whatever is there for you today will meet you where you're at. We are in a troubled world. We are trying to come up with institutionalized answers for matters of the heart. And so hopefully uh, this has been a blessing for you today, a reminder, a wake-up, or an introduction for you. And let me leave you with a little Irish blessing, which is kind of a, a soft aftershave or perfume to where my spiritual convictions lie. And we finish every podcast the same way. Maybe you'll hear it differently today. May the roads rise up to meet you. And may the wind always be at your back. May the rain fall soft upon your fields and the sunshine warm upon your face. And until we meet again, may God hold you in the hollow of his hand. We'll see you next time. Thank you.